thanks for joining the SoarCast, where we talk about drones, manned aircraft, and satellites, and how they relate to geospatial products found on the SOAR platform. Well, good day, everyone. It's Darren with the SoarCast, and today I have an exciting guest uh, based in Santiago, Chile. And Jose Manuel Latus is a, um, is a geologist who specializes in the utilization of remote sensing imagery for the analysis of um, ore deposits and other uh, landforms, uh, specifically in the science of geomorphology, which is geologic landforms. So Jose has worked in a number of places around the world, uh, whether physically or remotely. He's worked on projects in uh, Chile, Argentina, uh, Russia, Kazakhstan, Turkey, Alaska, and Jordan. And I'm sure there's more to add to that list. Um, and he's also developed some of his own remote sensing algorithms uh, for target identification. Um, and he specializes in uh, remote sensing for mineral um, exploration, economic geology, uh, environmental studies. And he's also a software specialist in Envy. Um, and some of the images that he, uh, or some of the sources that he's um, uh, utilized for um, for imagery include the uh, the following satellites: Aster, Landsat, Worldview, um, one, uh, two, and three, as well as uh, SkyMap fifty from Soar. And um, a little bit later in the discussion, we'll talk about some of his work using uh, SkyMap fifty. One other thing that uh, Jose does in his uh, spare time is that he's also a, um, a professor and lecturer at three different universities in, in Chile. And it's quite interesting. We'll touch on some of the things he's doing in terms of um, even remote, tra remote training and working with, with students um, in this field and some of the challenges around that. Around that. Um, so let's kick off with that. And so, Jose, it's very good to have you on the SOARcast. Hi, Darren. Well, he's... It's for me a very nice uh, experience to have uh, this interview, also with re in remote way, and also trying to speak uh, the best I can this particular English. Yeah, that's well. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for um, staying up late at night. It's um, early more, or sort of early morning here in Perth, Western Australia, and it's late in the evening. Uh, for Jose in Santiago, Chile. Yes, and uh, it, it's nine o'clock, but it's very early. I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, really a, a how, how you say a night nightman. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we in uh, common phrases night owl. Do they have a phrase in in Spanish? Excuse me. Do they have a so in 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 English we have a for a phrase for somebody who wants to work late or stay up at night is night owl. What do you have a phrase like that in Spanish? It's, it's like, it's like that. It's pájaro nocturno. It's okay. Uh, uh, night bird. Yeah. <laughs> night bird. Very good. Um, all right. So, um, well, I also like to uh, introduce our guests um, in terms of, um, of how we connected. And uh, thanks to the um, usefulness of, of LinkedIn, that's often how I connect with people. And I think that's how we we connected. We we're in a, a similar uh, remote sensing for geology or or mining. I think it is group, and um, some of the imagery that uh, Jose was turning out was was quite appealing. And and um, so we've 
we've connected since then, and, and Jose has, has utilized some of the SkyMet 50 uh, imagery uh, and produced some incredible images that we'll show a little bit later on um, as part of that. So um, it's probably uh, just best to, to, to kick off and give a bit of a, an intro, uh, let Jose introduce himself. So uh, Jose, I forgot to mention, but you have been working in remote sensing for how long? I think since 2003. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I first do and, the and, typically geologist field work from 2000, 2003 in Anglo-American. And then mm -hmm. I, I came to the remote sensing area. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, it's quite a long time. And I imagine things have changed quite a bit um, since you started out. Yeah. What? Okay. So um, I guess in, uh, if you can summarize, what, what are you doing with uh, remote sensing imagery? Today, yes. Yeah, today we have. I have several projects. Uh, the first, the the principal area is mine exploration, but in the few last years there is a, a very uh, high accumulation of env environmental works, so, um, specifically in Salt Lakes. I, I think that's saying the word in English, Salt Lakes, because mm -hmm. the of the care of the water that is in the Salt Lake, mm. and also the very natural reserves, some birds that we have to, to conserve. And there's many work that we we didn't know we can do with remote sensing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that that's a really good, um, I guess, you know, uh, introduction to what, what we'll be talking about in terms of the um, processing you did on, on imagery. And, um, it is it is quite um, quite interesting, you know, in, in some of the um, scientific articles that um, you gave me to, to read up on, in terms of uh, I guess the vulnerability of the environment and the um, the things that are happening in the uh, lithium exploitation. Lithium's um, under a, a big demand these days, and and even more. And I was uh, I and I admit I didn't know that the world's largest reserves uh, for lithium are in Chile. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, and it's and the area that, that we're looking at is, um, and you can of course find this on SOAR or, or on the map, uh, is Salar de Atacama, and um, there's also a, a, a native way of pronouncing that. Um, but anyhow, it's um, a large, I guess, desert uh, evaporite basin um, where there are, um, I guess, there there lakes that um, that accumulate the runoff for the near from the nearby mountains, and it's it's quite a um, it's quite a sensitive area. It's it's a national park, and there and there are species that depend on these areas. And so, being able to utilize the imagery uh, for um, analysis and 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 feedback on the current situation is is quite useful. I imagine those areas are quite remote. Is that correct? Yes, it's, it's very remote. Yes, it's in the the Andes the, the Andes Mountains near a. It's it's well Chile. My, my country is very is very thin and very large. Mm -hmm. So we have mm -hmm. this from the ocean to the Cordillera de los Andes. Mm -hmm. And the salt mm -hmm. the salt flat is near the Cordillera. Mm. And it's, it's it's hard to to go there. It's it's not it's not it's not near any 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 city. Mm. Very good. Okay. Um yeah. Okay. So um, before we get too too involved in in terms of the um, 
you know, the, the, the processing and the individual imagery and the, and the techniques, uh, I think it's probably a, a good time to, to talk a little bit about the, the remote work, in fact, that you're doing um, with students. So uh, as, as everyone knows, the, the current times, um, every country has um, sort of different uh, alert or security levels uh, with regards to the, the virus. And, and I learned from Jose that uh, Chile is uh, is quite um, restrictive, uh, or you know, to to account for this, and so all of the work that Jose is doing is um, is remotely. So whether it's his consulting work with uh, SRGIS uh, um, or uh, as a as a professor um, is all done remotely. So Jose, um, maybe you can tell us uh, how how do you go about teaching somebody remote sensing analysis? Uh, from a rem remote location? Well, it, it result that, that this remote learning is very efficient. So because mm. when we were in the classroom, I do explain with the software and the PowerPoints, and, and we have uh, 30 students with each with, with one computer. And, and if you say something and they don't uh, get the idea, many students let let the go and, mm. and 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 now well the politics of the teaching the remote teaching is to to record all the sessions and the students have all the sessions recorded so it's like have a, and generate many youtube tutorials and they well i they all have their computers the software and we we connect remotely. I do my slices, my PowerPoint, and step by step, very slowly, I teach how to move the mouse, <laughs> where to talk, where to click, where to open the file to open, and even online explaining. And it's it's it it is an experience, very very interesting experience. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I just wanted to, to, to point out that, um, you know, it's uh, things things are achievable in, in this environment. And especially those of us who have um, sort of a technical focus, um, you know, the, the, the resources are there so that, yeah, we can we can tie into those and, and, and get the information. So um, I wanted to, to sort of allude to that because that's often what we well, that, that, that's that's sort of the service that we're offering in terms of um, collaboration and sharing and generating uh, an interface where anybody can use um, a map and and gain information from that. So um, let's let's transition a bit. So um, aside from the uh, instructional and and um, work you do for the universities, you're also consulting um, in as you mentioned in the uh, environmental and also in the ex exploration. Um, who are the clients? Who are the people that are 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 um, I don't know supporting this work? Principally, there are uh, mining companies. The principal uh, is in in metal and in no metal, no metallic or metallic. The copper, mm -hmm. gold, uh, silver for one, and lithium, for example, uh, mm -hmm. and and some little cons uh, environmental consultants. But I think principally there are uh, mining companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so these mining companies are um, utilizing your imagery and, and your processed imagery to do uh, effectively to do to do what? What types of images are you giving them, and and what are they then doing with those images? Uh, 
Well, the the the, the principal images are aster images because mm -hmm. of the information in the short web infrared. We can detect mm -hmm. some special minerals and and these are used used for exploration. Mm. So still now, all companies are exploring for new gold copper deposits, and we use these these images to to help to to find new targets to uh, minimize the area that we will go to the field and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, just just one question. So um, one of the the people that I uh, sort of follow on on LinkedIn, he's very active in the, um, I, and I think it's sort of more just a hobby for him, but he's very active in identifying um, abandoned or 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 dis, disused, discontinued um, mines. So mines shut down because they're not economic. Uh, the price of the you know the commodity fluctuates, and so they have to shut these. This is in uh, South. South Africa, and so they shut these mines down, and the mines are in various areas. Uh, just out of, of curiosity, is there um, so I as as people would um, sort of in this industry would know that that you have um, exposed geology at the at the surface, and and you can use the the imagery to um, identify minerals by their uh, I guess reflectance, mm -hmm. and um, but of course there's uh, sometimes there's topsoil. Or the uh, minerals that are at the surface have been weathered over millions of years, and so they're sli they're slightly altered. Um, and I guess, are, do you have much? So, um, do you have much occasion to actually come back and I and uh, perform analysis around areas that have previously been war uh, been in production but are now abandoned? Is is that part of the things you do? Well, uh, I. I do process the images. I, I, I never go to the field, okay? Mm. Because the my, my work is for mineral, many, many companies and, and they take my work mm. and they use and they're very jealous about the information. Mm. So mm. I, I, I do not have the the, the opportunity to, to check if my process is, is, is going well. But mm -hmm. I think that if they call me again, it's because the, mm -hmm. the process mm -hmm. is success. I don't know if that, yeah. that is the question that you 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 asked me. Well, I, I think so. I mean, it, you you did answer. Um, so that would be um, you did you did answer the question. So that would work um, in uh, very active, um, you know, uh, mining. So open pit mine where they're continually developing the mine and 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 maybe uh, annually or uh, you know every couple of years they 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 would bring in services like yourself to um, to just do an aerial analysis. I was thinking about even um, cases where, um, uh, you know, for example, the um, gold is a is uh, a commodity that um, you know a slight fluctuation can can bring in um, new exploration because suddenly a a mine becomes economic. The cost of the the gold is is high enough so that the cost of production um, isn't higher than the <laughs> than the actual cost of the ore. So I was the question was a little bit more um, focused and just out of it was personal curiosity um, to where um, that people have asked you to to look at an an old mine, an old mine that isn't in production. Um, you know, do some analysis. Um, of course, they don't tell you, you know, how much money they're going to make. But but has, has there been an occasion where um, a mining company has said, "Can you look at this old mine for us?" 
Yes, yes. It's very common. It's very common to do mm. to do this. Uh, many many companies have the mining property, and they mm -hmm. they trust the the mining property, and another company takes the the same mining property. So mm -hmm. the new the new owners of the property do not have access to the information of the other companies. They they, are, they are mm -hmm. don't mm -hmm. buy the company. They just buy the mm -hmm. the land. So they mm -hmm. have to reinterpret the information, re, uh, do reinterpretation uh, with new information of the field, and and we always I process some places like three or four times the same mm -hmm. with new information. Yeah, yeah, because there is a, a very in mining there is a very uh, precise uh, sentence that is that the information is that that put the price in the property. More information, mm. more valuable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. I like I like that uh, that phrase. Um, okay, so I want to give um, people that are that are listening today a sense of how big the projects are you're working on. Uh, I you know I suppose it can it can vary greatly in size, but we want to put uh, give people an idea of the of the scale or the the actual resolution. Um, of the things that you're looking at. So, for example, uh, the imagery that, that that you utilized, our own imagery, the, the SkyMap 50 imagery, was an area of probably 150 square kilometers, which is quite a, a big area, but not really in compared to the whole, the basin that, that you yeah. know, it was a small chunk of, of uh, Salar de Atacama. Um, but maybe you can... Um, just give us some examples of, of say the smallest project and then the largest project you've worked on. I think the the, the smallest project are like uh, twenty five kilometers uh, mm -hmm. quadrado. I don't know how to say twenty five square. Yeah, ah, square yeah. kilometer square. Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is the 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 smaller area, but this is mm -hmm. when you have uh, many other studies in the area. Is no companies start with a 25 kilometer square mm. a, a mm. remote sensing study. They start with a, a very large area like Landsat, like 200 kilometers, 200 for mm. 200, uh, or even a region, a complete region of all the all mm. the northern Chile. I'm processing mm. now, for example, uh, like a thousand kilometers. Uh, in the north house and in the wide, I suppose, uh, 300 kilometers or 400 kilometers. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, well, three images and you you process and you you get some target targets. And in the targets, it's when you go to the world view three and process 25 kilometers square or 100 kilometers square. Mm. It's when you have I think, more, um, more information in the project. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks, Jose. I think that's um, you made a, a good point in terms of, um, and we we listed off some of the the satellites that um, you've worked with. So, for example, uh, you mentioned Aster and, and Landsat and and Worldview. But for Aster and Worldview, what is the resolution for those? Aster have uh, fifty meters. In the mm -hmm. visible near infrared bands, but the short mm -hmm. infrared are 30 meters like Landsat. Mm -hmm. Then you jump to Worldview 3, 
-hmm. that have in the visible near infrared like uh, 1.2 meters and in the mm -hmm. short wave infrared is 3.75 mm -hmm. at a and you have the 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 free images with the better spatial resolution is sentinel that have 10 meters mm. the visible and near infrared mm -hmm. okay um yeah and i think that's uh that that also brings up something that's um quite uh i guess interesting and also relevant to what we're talking about and and we've we've made mention of of resolution and and then we've we've made mention of of bands and and for those who um, you know come from um, sort of maybe um, drones where they're not working with multispectral um, imagery, um, or for for people um, you know uh, probably who haven't experienced um, these images, um, maybe you can just explain um, what are you what are you talking about when you when you mention bands, uh, you know when you you mention things like multispectral and infra infrared bands. What is what does that allude? Uh, refer to yeah well many many people say that why do you you don't use a drone and fly and get the better image i say you mm. is 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 it's quite different when you have the 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 phone camera or the phone camera or a rgb camera that have only just just take the the visible information the same information that our eyes see it's like Google Earth. You, you have Google Earth with many images with a, a very high resolution, but it's just visible information. The same that the human can be can see. But the 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 images, the multi-spectral images have information in the in wavelengths that the eyes cannot see. And some information of the materials of the super of the surface are invisible in the visible range of the spectrum. So with this multispectral information, we can see more than we can see with a normal camera. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I think that, that, that I think you, um, you definitely um, gave a good overview of that. And, and that is really, um, you know, uh, a lot of what I think that you're doing in terms of the, the stuff that's either, um, I guess lower wavelength than visible light and higher wavelength than visible light. That the type of things, like you said, that our eyes just can't see, but the sensors can pick those up. And um, the other thing that I wanted, that I thought was would be good to mention, is that in fact, um, maybe even I'll use a Sentinel satellite for example. Sentinel satellites have in fact twelve bands. Sentinel two has twelve bands of 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 capture of electromagnetic light uh, capture. So. There's your uh, three, you know, uh, red, green, and blue, and then there's also um, infrared. There's uh, and then there's a far infrared, and then as well, they uh, have a ultraviolet um, light as well. And and what that, so what what we're saying is is that um, this light is actually broken up into into sections, and then gentlemen like um, Jose take those those bands, if you will, those parcels of the spectrum. Uh, and build algorithms to reveal uh, whether it's minerals or some of the, the other exciting things like um, bathymetry, the ability to um, tell what the water depth is from, uh, I know that Sentinel satellites are almost 800 kilometers up. It's quite, 
it's quite uh, interesting to 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 talk about that. And so uh, we might actually we might actually move more into um, what you've done, and um, we'll use the example of the um, the SkyMap fifty imagery over um, Salar de Acama and the lake the lake um, Laguna Barros Negros. Is that Barros, correct? Barros Negros, yes. Barros, Barros Negros. And that is, uh, I believe that is a, a national park, that, that part yeah. of the desert? Okay. It's um, a national park in, in, inside the Salar de Tacama. Okay. And, okay, I understood. So um, maybe uh, we've talked a little bit about the lithium exploration in the area, but just because we're, you know, we're talking about imagery that relates to what's going on there. Maybe you can just describe um, sort of the lithium in place, why, how it's there, or, or what it, in what form it exists, and how it's processed, and then furthermore, how your imagery uh, relates to all that. Well, the the lithium extraction in the Salarta da Cama are very. Uh, you see some pools in the in the in the in the the salt flat. These pools are where the, the lithium are, are, are processed, are processing. And, and, and to generate these pools, we have, we need the water. And the water became from the all parts of the salt flat. Salt flat. So uh, we have these natural uh, lakes, Barros Negros, Chaxa and others. And the authority, politicals, uh, are are looking if the mining company get water from that from those lakes so we have to to have a, we have to monitor the coverage the deep of the lake so to be sure that the equilibrium in the salt flat is all all years is okay that that's the the final sentence we have to we have we do monitoring of the of the water in the salt flat salt okay. flat you, yeah the, the water. salt flat salt flat yeah. yeah um yeah okay and uh, i want to speak a little so um what what the um sky map uh, uh like other uh satellite um se uh sensors can can acquire um, both the visible light and then also the uh, near infrared near infrared light. So the light that's that's just outside of what you and I can see. But there's quite a few things that um, the near infrared can be used for to um, assess vegetation mm -hmm. and then also help in the um, I guess classification. So it's it's yet one more component that allows people to um, to build, uh, I guess, processed imagery that people can utilize. So I made mention of the uh, water depth over this lake. And um, so, uh, as I mentioned, you're, you're giving us the depth um, in this lake uh, from a satellite image. Uh, can you tell us how that happens? Yeah, well, I, I take it as information because we are studying the, the salt flat uh, uh, many years ago. So we are a continuum investigating about indexes and papers that, that the scientific community uh, publish. And the, the, the light, the light uh, when you have uh, some different wavelengths, when you appro uh, approach to the ultraviolet, you have a very more penetration in the water. So if 
if you have one band with low low penetration in the water and another band with a better penetration in the water you can can see deeper and you have some some like uh, two variables a deeper and and I would say shallow no mm-hmm. and shallow mm-hmm. and with the the two bands that that reads differently the deep you can make an index to to extrapolate information information and to map a relative deep depth of the of the water it's not a has to say absolute deep it's relative mm-hmm. here it's more shallow here it's, it's more deep. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and they're very interesting works using this information to to generate in in places that you have lakes or waters not so deep okay not so deep and and clear water mm. okay yeah no that and i guess with that uh as you mentioned it's it's a relative depth so it's what is shallower what is deeper um but you're able, you would be able to index that against uh field value so if you went out on onto site and, and gathered uh, a relative sample you know across the whole spectrum the deepest parts and the shallowest parts not the entire lake but if you had uh a correspondence you could build um uh a depth a depth model based on that is that correct yeah that's correct yeah okay you you have to um, you have to just when you have the image, you have all the information, the soil and the water. Mm. So if you mm. if you process all the information, the information that you can get is very limited. But if you focus mm-hmm. just in the water, you can mm-hmm. get much more information. Uh, deep, maybe, uh, I think, uh, contamination. It depends on the wavelength or the band you have. For deep mm-hmm. is use the the penetration of each band. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, part of the the forecast is that we like to engage our users and and show them uh, how to get more value out of the data that uh, that they're using and that they're sharing with clients. So let's check in with the folks from Soar uh, about um, how the Soar platform is servicing uh, your needs. So what is Soar Plus? Well, imagine if Google Earth and Dropbox had a baby. Soar Plus is the premier solution that allows users to store, view, and share maps and imagery on one simple mapping platform. Think of Soar Plus as your own digital atlas. Find out more by visiting us at soar.earth. So welcome back, everyone. Let's pick up where we left off. Let's move ahead in in terms of um, some of the some of the other imagery that um, that you generated from the SkyMap 50 image. So um, this is a, a 50 centimeter resolution um, image that consists of red, green, and blue, and and also uh, near infrared light. And from that um, from that imagery, Jose has generated. Uh, the bathymetry uh, image and as well um, soil humidity and uh, so we we will speak a, a bit about that and then also a soil classification um, so maybe we'll we'll speak about the soil classification because it also relates to the humidity so um, again like like you described how um, you take a, an image that, that that shows a picture of, of something from 
from Earth, like, I mean, from space, we look at something that's a picture of, well, the desert, and we see a lake. Um, but from that, you're able to generate uh, what the soil types are around uh, around the basin. So what is the, what, how, do you, how do you take the imagery that, that you know, you could acquire from SOAR um, and then get it to the point where it is a, a soil class, classification map? Yes, the, the, for example, we, we do the soil classification. There is a, um, an equation that I read many years ago that tells that if you have a, a number of bands in your image, you can generate uh, the N plus one, a different information. So if you have as uh, four bands like Zor, mm-hmm. you can generate mm-hmm. at least at least five different kinds of of materials. You can identify and, mm-hmm. and, and map five different materials, maybe more if you mm-hmm. have more mm-hmm. field information. Because mm-hmm. the the materials have a spectral a spectral signature that one one material from another have different spectral signatures. So the software and a, a helping by the user uh, detect the difference in the spectra with the four bands. We have to have to have we need the multispectral information. And and for example, you have the red, blue, green, and the near infrared, and you have a a spectral a signature that is going like a. For example, near is higher than red, and another another pixel have red higher than near, than near. Mm-hmm. So there are different materials. So you let do the software to to check into the matrix of the information, and solve how many different uh, spectra you have in the in the soil, and then you you go you get the information and go to the classification, and it's. Uh, you can interpret the information and you see the colors and you you can have a, a very good map of the use of the of the soil mm-hmm. okay and what are the um yeah what are the so you've got so uh we'll show an example we'll show that example of the um soil classification that you've you've generated um what is what is the end user going to do with this so um, I, I suppose there's both environmental uses and there's also um, geologists. So what, what would an environmental scientist do with that information? Then what would a geologist do with that information? Yeah, for, for I think for um, environmental, this is not very useful in this case of soil classification. I think for environmental is, is better for the moisture index. But mm. for geological, there are in the salt flat you have Many kinds of minerals, and it's it's, it's very useful to know uh, which minerals they are. With the image, we cannot tell which mineral is, but we can tell mm-hmm. that there are two different kinds of minerals. And with the geological interpretation, you can see this is salt, this is halite. I don't know the the alita is the mm-hmm. the name in the mm-hmm. in Spanish, and this other could be uh, gypsum, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. with the soil classification and the field interpretation, you can map uh, different zones of the sulfate, and that is very important for for geologists for mm-hmm. the, the, okay. the dynamic of the sulfate. Okay, yeah, and I think that's one more thing. So you mentioned the uh, soil humidity um, image as well, and 
Um, and that is also uh, through similar, I guess, processing techniques, you're able to resolve the relative humidity in soils, which was quite um, interesting for me. Uh, why would somebody want to know relative soil humidity? Yeah, the relative soil humidity is is different as the as for than the classification because they we use um, a particularity of the humidity of the moisture that when you have more more, more humidity in the soil, mm. you have less reflectance in the near infrared in the near near infrared. Uh, bands mm -hmm. so the the water or the humidity is higher in green and go lower to the to the near infrared but if it's much lower the near infrared is more humidity in mm -hmm. so we use that that information to to calculate the relative moisture of the soil and why is this important because the they think that in the in the time we have to to monitor the humidity of the south flat because it's related with the water uh, in down the surface. I don't know how to say when you have the mm. here we say in Spanish is el, el agua en profundidad the water uh, down the down the surface. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 This have uh, uh, an information that you can see in the surface, so you can mm -hmm. check if the if the if the salt flat uh, have an equilibrium year by year. You have to study this moisture index year by year, not just one image. One image, mm -hmm. not very useful to calculate the moisture. You have to check if the moisture is is stable in the time, or or you you are losing. Uh, humidity. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, uh, very, very good. It's it's all quite um, it's all quite interesting, and and it's been great. Um, you know, partnering partnering with you, Jose, to uh, process those images and 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 you know yield incredible information um, from them. And all of these images that we're um, you know speaking about are available. Um, if you were to just um, find the Solar de Acama. Um, or Atacama Basin in, in Chile, uh, the images are there on SOAR for you to visualize. And so, uh, yeah, from the team at SOAR, um, Jose, I just want to say thanks for your time and, and thanks for all the great information that you've given us. No, thank you for the, for, for the interview. I think that I could explain uh, uh, three times better in Spanish, <laughs> but I, I do my best. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think it. I think it went off very well. So, so thanks, Jose, and thanks everyone for joining us on the Sorecast today. Okay, thank you. And that's all we have time for today. Tune in to our next Sorecast for more discussion on geospatial products found on Soar.